You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. It's a privilege to be here, and I'm really glad that you invite us and you give us the opportunity to be with you and to share what God is doing in our hearts. And this morning, I present myself. As Tom said, I'm Irene, I'm from Italy, and uh, I'm in my second year in IBTI. And this morning I want to share with you a famous verse that is in Nehemiah, and is the joy of the Lord is my strength. I think that most of us know this verse. It's very famous. We like to sing it, to declare it, to send it to our friends and family. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But sometimes we... Maybe just for me, but I don't understand really the, the meaning, the depth of this meaning. What does it mean? The Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This joy that belongs, that comes from God is my strength. So I said, why we don't go to, to see the context? And as I said, this, the context is in Nehemiah 8. Um, and Nehemiah was the advisor of the king Artaxerxes was the cupbearer of the king, and um, he felt that God was calling him to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. So he decided to, to go and to made up, a, make, made up a team and start to rebuild this wall. And um, while, uh, while they were building and completing the wall, they gathered together to listen the word of God, the law of God. And while the people of Israel were listening to Nehemiah and Ezra, they start to cry because they understood that they were, they broke the, the law, they broke the rules of God. And a deep sadness came on them. They cried and cried. And Nehemiah was telling them, don't cry because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And after it is written, if you want to open your Bible in uh, Nehemiah 8 from verse 13 to 17, that they gather around Ezra, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees and from myrtles, palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs in their uh, courtyards court in the court of the house of God, and in the square by the water gate, and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had turned from the exile built temporary shelters and lived in them. From the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, the, the Israelites had not celebrated not celebrate it like this, and their joy was great. So just because they were following what God told them to do, they experienced a joy that was great. They never experienced such a joy. And this is what the joy of the Lord simply means, to do his will. When we are doing what God tells us to do, we have joy. Just 
from hearing and putting practice is commenced. And the verse goes on and says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So this kind of joy give us strength to go on, even in the darkest period of our life. Uh, it's like that even though we, are, we can be unhappy because of circumstances, even if uh, we are passing a bad moment, the fact that we realize that we know that we are in God's will give us strength to go on. And this is what is written in Psalm 119.92. If your law had not been my joy, I would have perished in my affliction. It's like that he said, if your law, if your will will not be my, my joy, I will perish in this situation. But because I know that I'm doing your will, it's okay. I have strength to go on. So we have to make a difference between happiness and joy. Because we can be unhappy. And happiness is more about being satisfied because you have achieved, you have achieved something, uh, your desire, your aims. So it's something that you, you have. But joy is more about what you are. It's more about more intimate and uh, is a complete and alive status of being. So we could, we could say that happiness is about having, but joy is about being. And this is what God wants us to, to have. It's not about outside. It's not about the circumstances around you, but it's inside you. It's within you. And it's like a circle. We obey and we have joy. We have joy and we are strong. And we are strong again to obey. And we have joy and we are strong. So it's like uh, this circle of obedience. In fact, uh, I was thinking that uh, joy is one of the fruit, is part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. And it's like that Jesus uh, didn't say, I am the joy. He said, I am the life, I am the resurrection, I am the truth. But he didn't say, I am the joy. So it's like that when you got saved, you have automatically life, truth, uh, resurrection, but the joy is something that is a fruit, it's something that has to grow inside of us, step by step. And more you obey, more you put in practice this circle, more this joy will grow in you. And I was thinking, so, why sometimes we don't have this joy? Why sometimes we, we don't feel that within us there is not this Joy that is strong, is there. Because we can break this circle with sin. We can break with disobedience. When I disobey, I break the circle of joy. And in fact, Israel was crying because they broke the law. Because they were not caring anymore about Jerusalem, about the world. But they were caring just about their life. And sometimes when... We think just about ourselves, we think just about our natural life, and we forget about the, our spiritual nature. We will start to forget this circle. We will start to forget that we were made to be in God's will. And just there, we, we belong to him. We belong to do his will, to, to his art. So... There is a verse that I was reading before that says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people 
most to be pitied. It's like that we are not caring of what Jesus has done for us. It's like that, okay, yes, you have done this, but I want to live my life. And this is what the, the people of Israel have done many, many times. And I want to read with you another passage in Agai 1, 5 to 9. Then there is written, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, we remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. So if you think that you don't have this kind of joy, God is telling you, give careful thought to your ways. Jesus came to give us abundant life, to be thirsty never again, but sometimes we are still unsatisfied. We are still with this sadness in our hearts. And why, I was asking to myself, why still we are fighting with ourselves? And Paul wrote to the Philistines, to the Philippians, a verse that really scared me. And he said, For everyone looks out for their own interest, none those of Jesus Christ. We have to think about what Jesus wants to us. It's not only about ourselves, only about our life. Sometimes we are too much focused on the gifts that God can give to us, but not on the giver. So we think about what we can gain to him, our career, our family, as Elisa was sharing, okay, yes, I want to get married, I want this and that, but Jesus has to be the focus of our life. We have to fix our eyes on the giver because only in that moment we will be satisfied. Only when Jesus is satisfied, we are satisfied. Only when we honor him, we feel full. Only when we empty ourselves of who we are and we fill it with Jesus Christ, we will be full of joy, life, and everything we need. It's about what Jesus said in Matthew. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else, everything you need, I will give to you. But first, fix your eyes on Jesus. First, take looks out for the, his interests, not your own. And as Jesus had his mind on eternal purpose, also as to be to set our minds on the eternal things. As Paul says, I fix my eyes on the things that I cannot see, not the things that I, I can see, because the unseen is eternal. The unseen, we have to really live in an eternal perspective, not just to see our life, but to set our minds above on things above. And as God, in, in um, Agai, we read that God asked them 
to rebuild his house, his temple. And this can be a picture of our relationship with God, the temple, the place where we meet with God. And in Nehemiah, God asks us to rebuild the wall. And wall give us protection. And it's like that we, uh, we need to protect this relationship. We need to protect our heart. And um, the wall is built by godly choices. So the circle that we saw before, obey, to have joy, to be strong, is the circle of the wall, is the protection of our heart. I can, I can protect my heart only by obeying, only by be joyful and to, have, and to be strong. And in Proverbs 4.23, there is written, Above else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So we need to rebuild this protection around our heart because everything we do, everything we are, flows from it. It's the most fragile thing that we have and it's the thing that the enemy wants to attack. And the Bible gives us a sort of guideline to follow to how to protect this heart. In fact, if we go on, we read that in, uh, in Proverbs there is written, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupted, corrupted talk far from your lips. And it's not easy, but we have to think what we are saying. Every moment we have to, to really see our words, our thoughts. And our prayers to be every moment, as David did, set a, a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In every moment, just before speaking, we have to think. Because as James said in his letter, the tongue is something that we cannot really govern. It's something too, so little but so strong that really we need to take control. And after he said, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. In every time, good or bad, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. The verse says, fix your gates directly before you. And it's nice that Jesus says, you, have, you must follow me, follow me. So it's like, who is in front of us? Jesus. In every time, we have to fix our eyes on him. In every moment, even though can be up the darkest moment of your life, we cannot forget that Jesus is still in front of us and he's walking and walking and we go, we have to go straight after him. After this is written, Give careful thought to the path for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. And what I was thinking is that we have to make our journey with, with God easier possible. Everything that can distract us, everything that um, can make us fall, we have to remove. In fact, there is written to, to um, ponder, to remove all the obstacles that are in our path. So, it's not easy, but everything that doesn't belong to God has to go away, in a sense. Paul says, everything is permissible, but not, not everything is good. Not everything I define myself. So, everything that will slow me down, I have to say, no, it's better, to, it's better for me to remove and to run with God than to keep this burden and go slow and slow and slow. And the last one is 
Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. So it's like, don't be distracted by other things. Don't compare yourself with others. Flee from evil. Avoid temptations and all this kind of stuff. And you could say, but it's not easy. It's not easy to follow this guideline. It's not easy to protect my heart. But we are not alone in this journey. One, because we are a family. Church is a family, first of all. It's not a building, but it's made of people. And we have our brother and sister to help us to go on. In fact, in Emaya, we read that all together, they were building something. All together, they were encouraging, helping. And there is written in the um, in one of the first chapters that next to him, there was this person. Next to him, there was the other person while they were building the wall. So there is this unity, and unity brings joy. Because while they were building something outside of them, the wall, they were building something inside of them that was joy to be together, to strengthen each other. And my uh, advice today is be an example for your community. Be an example for your church, for the people around you. As David said in a psalm, may those, those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I've put my hope in your word. When we follow God's will, we, we are the joy of all others. People can see us and say, wow, I want to be like them. I want to have this kind of joy. So we have to be really an example. We have to build each other up. Because we are, we are not living just for ourselves, but we are living together to edify the church and to do something to make a difference where we are. And, but the most important thing is that we are not alone because God is with us. In Agai, uh, we read that when the people obeyed to the voice of God, God was ready to help them. And it is written, I am with you. When they repent, when they say, okay, God, we are sorry, we understood, we want to start again, God was ready, I'm with you, I will help you. In fact, if we want to start again this circle of obedience, joy, and strength, the first step is the step of repentance. And we don't like this word, repentance, seems to be so, I don't know, it's a huge word, but... It means simply to change direction, to stop, to think about what we are doing and say, okay, I'm changing direction. I want to do something different. And in the story of Nehemiah and Agai, we saw that there is no joy if before there is not repentance. All of them before said, okay, God, I want to hear, I want to obey. And after there was this joy. And last day I read a, a sentence that says, there is no true joy without having weeping before. We will never understand what is joy if before we will never weep and really be so sad to understand what joy is. And it's similar to the experience of salvation. Salvation is the most joyful experience of our life, but before is a painful experience because we have to repent, because we have to uh, die to ourselves, but for the joy, for the eternal purpose, for what is going ahead of us is worthy of it. And it's similar to what Jesus did for us. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross.
For us, we are his joy. For us, he endures the cross, even if in the moment was painful. Obedience is not easy. But for the joy, he endured the cross. And for the joy to be with him, for the joy to really live in a in an eternal view, we have to endure our pain, our cross, and we will see the fruits. And our prayer must be the one of David in Psalm uh, 119 that says, Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I found joy. Give me understanding. Give us understanding to to really understand your law, to understand your will, because we want to do his will. But we have we need him. And the fact is that we will never be alone. We are not alone in this journey. God is with us. He's not against us. Yes, we maybe uh, have been disobedient, but God is ready to forgive us if we repent. And I want to finish with what he said to a guy. But now be strong and work. Work to that circle of joy, of obedience, joy and strength. For I am with you. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. God will help us. We are not alone in this journey. can be difficult. Obedience, as I said, is not easy. But he is the one that is with us. He's fighting with us to help us to really grasp the real joy, the true joy. And I want just to read with you Jude 1, 24, that says, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.